Welcome to On Course, the teaching ministry of Pastor Hart Ramsey. And the wisdom of God transcends, it lifts you over. Where we offer simple biblical insight into some of life's most pressing issues. Love is a manifestation of strength. The Holy Spirit produces nothing but strength in us. I want to show you. Prepare for the next few minutes to be encouraged, enlightened, and inspired. Let's join Pastor Ramsey and get on course. On the screen, Acts chapter 14, verse 21. The Bible says, after preaching the good news in Derby and making many disciples, Paul and Barnabas returned to Lystra, Iconium, and Antioch of Presidia, verse 22 says, where they strengthened the believers and they encouraged them to continue in the faith. They encouraged them to do what? Now, I really want to continue to emphasize that when they say in the faith, they weren't telling them to continue having faith. The, the, the lifestyle that we have uh, believed into, that's what I call it, we we're born again into a lifestyle called the faith as opposed to the law. The law was 613 rules or regulations given to Moses that were reduced to a decalogue or 10 laws. Um, I try to get this right every time I say it. It was 365 um, do's and 248 don'ts. I always get this confused, but it's 365, 248 do's and don'ts. And, and the, the law was set up as a system whereby if you wanted God to bless your life, you had to check the box on the 10 because the 10 were really categories. And out of that 10 came other laws. There were dietary laws. There were more moral um, um, rules and regulation. There were, there were um, civil laws involved in that. And so what God did was he, he set up a system whereby man could realize that there's no way we could serve God without his help. When, so we come into this thing, we believe on, on the uh, Lord Jesus Christ, and the Bible says that, that when we come into it, the just shall live by faith. So it's called the faith. In other words, what keeps us in this is, is our believing in Jesus. How many of you got that? That's why it's called the faith and not the law. So Paul, so the Bible says after Paul, who being an apostle, had gotten believers saved, he went back through the, the areas where he had gotten people saved and established churches, and the Bible says he, he strengthened the believers and encouraged them to continue. Encouraged them to do what? Now, if you need to be encouraged to continue, it means that there are barriers or obstacles to continuing. And that's what I started all this series about. And I want to continue tonight just to deal with this issue of, we, we, there's seven, actually eight things. The Bible specifically says, and maybe more, but eight that I've pointed out or uh, found, where the Bible says you must continue in them. I'm going to give you the reasons why. The rest of this verse says, reminding them that they must suffer many hardships to enter the kingdom of God. Must suffer many what? Now, I want to explain that because it could be scary. First of all, the kingdom of God is not a place. The kingdom of God is a relationship. That's important. Um, to, to, uh, the kingdom of heaven, Matthew, if you, if you go through the book of Matthew, he always referred to the kingdom of God as the kingdom of heaven. He, as much as he could, he stayed away from, from na- naming the name God. Um, if you look at the way Jewish people write God, they, they write G, a dash, and D, out of respect for the name. Okay, and so Matthew was one of them people, he, did, he just didn't want to mention God a whole lot, so he changed it to the kingdom of heaven, but it's the same thing, okay? It's a relationship where God has authority in your life, and out of that relationship comes a word that we call Jesus, we call him Lord. 
we call him Lord. In, in, the, in the New Testament is the, is the Greek word kurios. That's the main word, kurios, K-U-R-I-O-S, kurios, which means owner, master, the one that's in charge, the one that holds authority, or the one that I answer to, the Lord. Now, the, he, what Paul says, he, uh, the Bible says here, Paul had to remind them that you must suffer many hardships. What a hardship is, and the number one hardship is, is a restructuring of, of the way you perceive life. What God, for example, what you would consider a need, God may think it's a, or say it's a want for that moment. And what, it, what the whole thing is, I think the main hardship of Christianity is giving over the government of your life to the Lord. That's the number one hardship. And then the second hardship that comes directly under that is, is people coming at you a certain way and you don't have the liberty to respond in kind. So people could come and say things to you, do things, and, 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 and just out of honor and respect for the Lord, there's certain things you can't say. If you ask me, and, and you may criticize, I think some people just, well, <laughs> I can't say that. But there are times where my soul, my old man will say, some people just need a good cussing out. That just, but we can't do that. How many know we can't do that? I know you still do. I, I, read, I read some of your social media posts, and I, I pray for you. I say, God, help him in Jesus' name. But, so, you know, sometimes uh, uh, I, my thing is, like, where's a good Vulgarian when you need one? Someone that's fluent in Vulgarian, you know? Y'all, y'all are stiff. Okay. So there are many, it takes many adjustments, is a good word, to enter into the place where God rules your life. And what, um, tonight I'm going to talk to one of, about one, one of the major adjustments. One of the major adjustments is understanding as, we, as the, the, we covered number one in last week, continuing in the word, one of the major adjustments you have to understand is this. Learning about the word or learning from the Bible does not change you. You do understand that you could learn from scripture and it doesn't change you. All it does is adds knowledge on top of what you already have. You get it? And so what I want to talk about tonight is continuing in the word to a point where things start to happen. You can go, have you, now I'm, I'll be honest with you, I, I've been given directions to go in one place to preach one time, they'll forget it. It was uh, in a country little place called Midway, Georgia, and they, they gave me these directions, we found the directions, and I went so far out in the woods that I stopped and said, man, it, n- there's nothing out here. So I turned around and went back to the nearest payphone that tells you how long ago that was, it was a payphone. I put in some money, called the church, I said, hey, you know what, they gave me the wrong direction. They said, well, you need to come down so So I said, I did. They said, you need to come down so I said, I did. And they said, you didn't come far enough. I'm like, there's nothing out there. They said, we out here. <laughs> and sometimes when you travel on a road for a long time and don't see anything, you're tempted to stop and turn around. Okay? Here's what happens to a lot of believers. What happens to a lot of believers is that we think that because we know the word, it's supposed to bring results. No. Results don't come until we, uh, we get to another place. I'm going to talk about the other place tonight. But I, drove, I, start, I headed back down this road, drove down, made that little right turn that they told me, and there goes that little church out in the woods. The deacons were on the front porch smoking. <laughs> Bless them in Jesus' name. And so I, I, I went in, we pulled up, and, and we went in there. We had church. Now, don't, don't judge them. I mean, they could church. They, they was a good service. They just smelled like hell, but, they, you know. Yeah. So, okay, so the Bible says <laughs> we, we must go through, har- everybody say hardships. Say the word adjustments, because that's what he's talking about. Look at verse 23. In verse 23, he says, Paul and Barnabas also appointed elders in every church with prayer and fasting to turn 
the elders over to the care of the Lord in whom they had put their trust. This is a critical scripture because it's dealing with the temptation to give up, the temptation to turn around, um, um, the temptation to abandon our initial expectations and, and, and actually go for something that gives immediate gratification. So let's talk about just real quickly how far you've come. The truth of the matter is many believers in here tonight know a lot of word but have a little experience. Be honest. We, we, we have talked to God, we've, we've heard of God, but many of us have never really encountered him on a regular. And it makes you feel like, maybe I'm going the wrong direction, I need to turn around. But you're missing one thing, and I want to talk about that in a minute, okay? Before I do that, go, put on the screen for me, on Romans chapter 5. Romans chapter 5, there's a couple of verses I want to point out to you, verse 17 through 21. Romans chapter 5, verse 17. I want to show you this, and the key word that we're going to look for, everybody, we're looking for the word righteousness. Everybody say that word. Right. Righteousness. Now, if you ask the average person who goes to a church that's what I call law-based, what they will tell you is righteousness is a behavior. Righteousness is what you do. But I want to show you tonight that righteousness, before it becomes a behavior, has to be a belief. Before it's accepted as the good works that I do, it has to be accepted as a gift that God gives to me. Righteousness is not something I do for God. Really, initially, it's something that God did for me. And then I get to live it out. Look at this. For the sin of this one man, Adam, caused death to rule over many. But even greater, the Bible says, is God's wonderful grace and his gift of what? Okay, so, so we see here that righteousness is a what? It's a gift. For all who receive it, receive it means righteousness, a gift of righteousness, will live in triumph over sin. So the Bible says that when I, rece- when I properly receive the gift of righteousness, it causes me to live in triumph over sin. Let's be honest. I'm not going to ask him or tell you. You're not living triumphantly over sin. So, but we're going to work on that. We're we we working with this, but we have to understand some, some things about this first. The Bible says when we accept the gift of righteousness, the, uh, God's wonderful grace and the gift of righteousness, we, uh, we, we live in triumph over sin and death through this one man, Jesus Christ. Now, technically what it is, um, the power of sin has no, has no hold on us. You got it? Sin can't, can't drive us like it used to, but the presence of sin is always there. You're going to always have to deal with this nagging voice telling you, you know what, you could if you want to. Pointing you to this thing, but it's available. Availability becomes your greatest detriment. It's not a pressure. It's not some, it's, you're, not, you're not forced to do it. You're not addicted. It's just it's available. And the fact that it's available can get you in trouble if you don't know how to handle that. This is important. Look at verse 18. The Bible says now, yes, Adam's one sin brings condemnation for everyone, but Christ's one act of righteousness brings a, a, right, a right relationship with God and a new life for everyone. Notice this is not for just believers, it's not just for us, it's for the whole world. But it only begins to work for us when we believe and accept it and make it our lifestyle. Verse, verse 19, because one person disobeyed God, look at this, many became sinners. You are not a sinner because you sin. You sin because you are sin. That is the rule. Now, you say, Pastor, I'm a sinner. No, no, you, you're a saint now. Amen. You are, really, the Bible says that. But, what I want, but I'm, I'm pointing out, I'm saying mankind. You got it? So people, people do what they do because they are who they are. So be careful when, when your brother or your sister um, are falling to sin or something, and then, the, and then you say, well, you are this, and she's a liar. No, no, she's not a liar. What she really is is a believer, a, ch- a child of God learning Learning how to appreciate truth. 
still holding on to a lie as, as, as a comfort or as a defense. You got it? And so she has to learn. And so the Bible says in Galatians 6 and 1, if a person falls from living a righteous life, the Bible says we restore them to that place because that's their, that's their rightful place. How many of you got that? All right? It says now, because one person disobeyed God, many became sinners, but because one person obeyed God, many will be what? Made righteous. Now look at this. The Bible says we will be made righteous. He's speaking about us. Verse 20. It says this. God's law was given so that all people could see how sinful they are. It's the only reason the law was given. 365 dudes, 248 they were given just so we could know how sinful we are. That was the purpose. The, law, the Bible actually says a thing in, somewhere in Romans 3.21. I'm not sure. It's somewhere between 19 and 21. It actually says the law can't save us. The law can't give life. The law can't make righteous. All it's good for is to show us where we're wrong. Okay? Now look at this. It says now, but as people sin more and more, God's wonderful grace became more what? Abundant. So, so the more, you say, man, the world is messed up. If the, as messed up as the world is, grace is much more available. If you want to know, know how much grace is available, the Bible says grace abounds. And in, 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 in the Greek, it actually says, I'm, I'm sorry, sin abounds, but it says grace super abounds. One is increasing, one is, one is increasing without limits. Verse 21, it says this. So just as sin, now this is the word, this is the, the uh, verse right here. That I like to zoom in on. So just as sin ruled over all people and brought them to death, now God's wonderful grace rules instead, giving us what? Right standing with God and resulting in eternal life through Jesus Christ. Notice the first part of this, this verse. The Bible says the same way, the like-as principle, just as sin ruled over all people, all people and brought death, the Bible says God's wonderful grace rules instead, and it gives us what? Right now, right standing is actually, now let me see if, if the King James says it. Put the King James up there for me. Let me see if it says it. Because it, it reads, it says that as sin has reigned unto death, even so might grace reign through what? Righteousness. Through righteousness. Righteousness is right standing with God. Unto What? Eternal life by Jesus Christ. Now you say, Pastor, that's deep, and it is. And you have to hear this over and over again and have it explained from different angles until it takes. But I want to show you tonight what really we're dealing with. God's best for us is tucked away neatly in our ability or willingness to do what we hear. To, to practice what He's, what he says to us. The truth of the matter is we live in a time where, where, where we, don't, we don't slow down enough to choose our responses and choose our actions or to plan out our approach to things. And so the Lord will say, I need you to do it this way, and we will do it our way and then go back and say, oh, Lord, forgive me. And we think that we can live our entire lives just going back getting forgiveness. Now, it's available. It will continually be available, but we will we'll never get to where we're going and experience God the way we're supposed to experience him if we don't do. Stay tuned for more of today's teaching with Pastor Hart Ramsey. Let's go! Have you subscribed to Hart Ramsey's Uplift? It's his national text message service where daily you get to hear from the heart of God through the man of God, Hart Ramsey. To subscribe, simply text the word Uplift to the number 46786. Once again, text the word Uplift 
to the number 46786. And daily, you'll receive a text message designed to uplift your spirit, encourage your heart, and empower your walk. Subscribe today to Heart Ramsey's Uplift. Amen. Imagine being filled with a peace so deep that the world around you can't touch it. Pastor Hart Ramsey is on a mission to help believers understand what it means to have a healthy, prayer-based relationship with God. He's doing that through his brand new book titled Seeking Answers, Finding Rest Through Prayer. Prayer at first was a struggle because, you know, it, it really takes faith to pray. You have to you have to trust that God is like a person. He's a real person and that he's the one that invented the concept of prayer. In this book, you'll learn how to ensure your relationship with God is based on a new and improved covenant, which dangerous prayer habits to avoid and what to do when prayer doesn't yield the answers you want. It's time to trust God enough to make your prayer life truly about Him. Yes. Pick up your copy of Seeking Answers, Finding Rest Through Prayer from Hart Ramsey, available now at Amazon, iTunes, and wherever books are sold. Now let's get back to today's teaching with Pastor Hart Ramsey. Let me put it a different way. Put Philippians chapter 2, verse 13 on the screen for me. Philippians chapter 2 and verse 13. I just want to work us through this, and maybe we'll come to a certain place. Okay, go to verse. Now, you see how this verse starts with the word for? Okay, when it says for God is working, that's, that's not the beginning of the sentence or the thought. So we have to go before that to verse 12. He says, dear friends, you always followed my instructions when I was with you. This is Paul writing to the church in Philippi, who, by the way, this church was a church he loved. This church was birthed out of Revelation, um, the Macedonian call is what the Bible calls it. And he, Paul says, and now that I'm away, it is even more important. What's more important? That you follow my instructions. And here's what he said. Work hard to show the results of your salvation. Obeying God with what? Deep reverence. Now, everybody look at me. I want to show you something. Here's what he, now, the, when you say the word work, if you're a grace person, you go, wait a minute. I thought we live, is by grace, not works. No, no, no. Here's what he said. He said, work hard to show the results. In other words, you can't show what you don't have. Okay? So I'm in math class, and the teacher says to me, she says, she says um, what's the answer? Now she says to the class, and I blurt out the answer, and she says, show the work. What does that mean? It means come up to the board, get the chalk, and work the problem. Now, I already have the answer. But I have, to do, I have to go through the whole process. See how that works? Now, when he says to work hard to show the results of your salvation, he's saying you are already saved. The, 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 righteous, the gift of grace has been given to you. The gift of righteousness is already yours. It's in you. It's in you. He says, now I need you to slow your life down and take the time to work to show it. The King James says... Um, Give me King James real fast. It says in verse 12, it says, Wherefore, my beloved, as ye have always obeyed now, obeyed rather, not in, in my presence only, but now much more in my absence. Read that last phrase with me. What does it say? Work out. Say it again. Now you're saying, you know, Pastor, that sounds like something I got to do because if I don't do it, I'm going to lose my salvation. The term fear and trembling doesn't mean you're afraid. It means you're awed. 
When the woman with the issue of blood in Mark chapter 5 realized that the issue of blood had dried up, the Bible says when Jesus asked who touched me, she came to him in fear and trembling. She wasn't afraid. She was healed. She was blown away. So what fear and trembling really means is, is that you have been awed by God. And you can't be awed until you recognize something. So what, what is the recognition here? He says the recognition is that I'm saved. The recognition is that I've been giving, given something I couldn't work for. The recognition is that God is more than I really think he is. Now in verse 13 he says, For it is God which worketh what? In you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. Give me New Living Translation. It says, for God is working in you. Everybody say, God is working in me. What is he doing? He's giving me the desire and he's giving me the power to do what? Now, 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 I want, I want you to read this. I want you to stop at the word do. Okay, make it personal. You're going to read it first person. I mean, you, read it, you add me in there. Ready? Let's read. For God is working in me, giving me the desire and the power to do. Stop at the word do. We're going to do it again till everybody get it. Let's start again. Make it personal. Ready? Reading. For God is working in me, giving me the desire and the power to do. Again, for God is working in me, giving me the, the power to, do. to what? To, do. to what? To, do. to what? Not to hear, to do. And I will never experience the desire, the strong desire and the power until I set my mind to do. There's some things you can't experience until you decide this is what I'm going to do. To do. To do. This is what God wants me to do. The Bible says, be not ignorant or unwise, but know what the will of God is. In other words, to know what God wants me to do. One of the hardest things that I've learned from people um, about walking in love, what scares us about walking in love, is that when a person comes at us crosswise, we, don't, we, we know what God wants us to do, but we don't like the way it makes us feel. Everybody ever been there? Like, like for example, they, they, they front you off or they, they, they tear you down, whatever, whatever they do. And, and, and but we, we, we don't mind. We don't mind suffering a little bit for the Lord. But what bothers us is we don't know what to do. We don't have to respond in that moment. What do I do? And we're so ignorant of what God wants us to do that many times we end up doing the wrong thing. Or we end up doing the right thing, which in many cases is nothing, and we walk away with this nagging thing in our head saying, you should have told off. Why you let her do that? And it builds up in you. You resent your, you resent your apparent weakness, and you say, the next time I see her, I'm going to let her have it. <laughs> so what happens, watch this now, because we're not clear what God wants us to do, we don't value the doing. And the hardship that you have to experience to enter the kingdom of God, we, we, we reject the hardship we reject the adjustment that we need to make. There's an adjustment that we make to, for God to be, and for us to experience God. Everybody, everyone say experience God. The, the big issue in the church now is that we're not experiencing God. And so we, what we've done is we've, we have a counterfeit of experiencing God. You know what it is? It's loud volume and, and goosebumps. Goosebumps are mentioned one time in scripture. And when it, it's mentioned, it wasn't God coming in, it was the devil. 
in the book of Job. So you can't measure the presence of God by the size of your goosebumps. And because someone is having a Baptist fit or Pentecostal meltdown, that does not mean God is there. And so our only experience of God is when we come together and we have an emotional overload. That's not God most of the time. Most of the time it's us trying to reach God, and that's religious because in in Christianity, God has already reached us. Am I helping you any? Okay, so I want to work with this some more. Go go now to the book of, uh, let's go to James chapter 1. I ended here last week, James chapter 1, verse 22. I want to work this, and I'm, when I get done, I'm going to be done. But this has been, I've been laying in my bed. My, my whole Christianity has changed. I don't know if this is, I'm going to share this with you. I want to tell you. My whole outlook on the Lord has changed. And it's a good, it's a good thing. Uh, uh, let me tell you, I'm not, I was late coming in tonight because I was late getting out of bed from studying. Because I got caught up in studying something and I started calling tell Elder Pete you got it tonight I got to get to the bottom of this in the word but Elder Pete called me and said pastor I got to be out of town tonight God did that because I wasn't coming tonight why because I, I, I had a tiger by the tail I was following a trail of scriptures through the bible and I want to get to the bottom of it before before I, I even come talk to you because for me right now it's not about knowing I got a phd in this I've been studying this for 30 years, 33 actually, and, and I, I, know, I know a lot of this stuff. But what I don't have, watch this now, what I have with God is a lot of mileage. But I have to tell you this, most of the experience I have with God has to do with gov- church government. Isn't it weird that in the Bible, people having visions and dreams and encounters with God and in your entire Christian experience, you haven't had one? Does it mean you're not saved? No. It's just like me looking for that country church in Midway. You haven't gone far enough. I think many of us have spent a lot of our times going down the road and saying, I don't think God is out here, and turning back and going to the payphone and calling God to say, are you there? And God said, yeah, I'm just down the street. And we keep going and coming back. And I think what we're missing is that all that God is doing and saying to us, all this wisdom and knowledge he's given to us, all the worship, all the, it's, it's inviting us to do. There's some things you can't experience. There's some things you can't know until you begin to do. You will never know that love never fails until love becomes your, your primary and your only response. Until, until love, you say, I don't, I'm, I, love will become my response in every situation. You, you set your heart to do it. Of course, you're going to fail sometimes, but it becomes your goal to work out your salvation, to work hard to, to show the results of the fact that God did pour his love abroad in my heart. The Bible says that in, in Romans chapter 5, the first, I think, of verse 3 or verse 4. The, the love of God is shed abroad in my heart by the Holy Ghost. Is that 4 or 5? Romans 5 and 5, I think. So this is true. The love, God poured his love in my heart. Which love? He lets me know how much he loves me. I love others and love him because he, I know he loves me. But if I don't begin to operate in that love and show that love and walk in that love and let sometimes let people get, uh, um, do wrong, let them do it, but I stay right. And, t- and go to God and say, God, I'm walking in love because you put love in me. And you, listen, when I start, now I'm going to encounter him in a different way. You, you've been here for years, giving it shall be given unto you. Good measure, person. But whenever the pressure comes for you to back away on your finance, finances, because that's what the enemy does, you, you don't continue. 
you stop. And you turn around, you get the pay phone to find out, make sure that you're going the right direction. And what you end up doing is you never go far enough where you put yourself out there enough, watch this now, where you fall off the deep end. And that's where, now I have experience there. When, 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 I remember being poor. My definition of poor is, I have a car, but my car doesn't work. My car is, is a liability. It takes money to keep my car running, and it's hardly ever running enough to get me where I need to go. And I remember when I got to the place where I said, if this is going to work, it's going to work for me. And I kept on, and I kept on, sold. I don't care, I sold out of everything I got. I didn't care. I got to the place where I, I couldn't care. It, I was desperate. And what it ended up doing for me was it pushed me off a deep end where I don't know when it really happened. But what I knew was I was turning down raises. The church was saying, we want to give you a raise. I was like, no, I'm good. And they asked me, why are you doing that? And I had to ask myself, why are you doing that? And I realized I was doing it because I was afraid to depend on them. Because I'd been de- de- depending on God for so long. I-, I-, I experienced God in the area of finance where people will walk up to me, shake my hand, and leave me with money out of my hand. And it's, it's, it's more than enough to take care of what needs to take care of. I remember when I could not afford a keyboard. Now what was going on, I, I was preparing for this jazz thing I'm getting ready to do. And, and I-, I look in my room, Greg, and I got three keyboards, three of my five keyboards set up to see which one I want to use. We hope you've enjoyed today's teaching courtesy of On Course with Heart Ramsey. We invite you to join the NCC family for our weekly services in Dothan and Montgomery, Alabama, and Atlanta, Georgia. For service times and locations, visit our website, nccfamily.org. Again, nccfamily.org. We invite you to follow Pastor Hart Ramsey on social media, on Twitter, at Hart Ramsey, on Facebook, at Hart Ramsey Media, and on Instagram, at Pastor Hart Ramsey. Be sure to join us next time as we continue to dive into God's Word as we get on course with Hart Ramsey.